Odd Trails is a true paranormal podcast that contains adult language and can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. You know how we have those random filler people in our dreams, like extras in a movie? They're the random background people you see repeatedly, but they don't have an active role in the dream. Or am I the only nutcase that has this motley cast of characters invading their subconscious? Well, these are called dream characters. As long as I can remember, I've had dreams with the same extra in it. He's the only one who consistently shows up in the dreams where extras appear. In these dreams, he's always just standing in the background watching me with this kind smile on his face and very warm eyes. He wears pleated pants, wingtip shoes, long sleeve shirt with the sleeves rolled up, and a sweater vest with the chain from his pocket watch looped across his pocket. He occasionally pulls the watch out and looks at it. Well, sometime shortly before my wedding, I saw my mom looking through an old box of photos that she had pulled down from the attic. I started to look through as well. Then, I spotted him, the extra from my dream. The photo was taken sometime in the 50s. He looked just as he did in my dreams. Pleated pants, wingtip shoes, long sleeve shirt, all rolled up, but no sweater vest or watch. But I knew that it was him. Who is this? I asked my mom. I know him. She looked at me like I had some kind of monkey clinging to my head. She told me there was no possible way that I knew him. I told her I was sure that I did. I said, I must know him or must have met him at some point. Otherwise, why would I always dream of him? I must have at least seen him for my mind to record his face and plant him in my dreams, right? She explained that the photo that I was looking at was of my father's father, who had died when my dad was 20. This was before my parents ever met. So I could not have possibly ever met him. I then told her I must have seen this picture somewhere, grasping at any possible explanation as to why I see him in my dreams. Trying my damnedest to justify it, I guess. She said that she hadn't even known that the box of pictures was in the attic and found it looking for something else. She had never seen these pictures herself. 
And the only reason she knew that was him was because she had asked my dad about it a few minutes before I walked into the room. This whole time, my dad was listening to our conversation. He was speechless. He stared at me blankly and managed to gather enough words together to ask me to describe him. I described him from the way that he stood to what he wore and how he pulled out his watch. My dad's face went pale. He reached into his nightstand and pulled out this tiny, locked wooden box. He opened it. Inside was a gold pocket watch. The same one I saw in my dream. He told me that it was his father's watch. For as long as I can remember, even as a child, I had always felt a strange connection to my grandfather that I never met. I would think of him often and felt this odd closeness to him. And yes, I felt like a nutcase. How could I feel so close to someone that I never met? Well, I finally got to meet my grandfather. I think this was his way of showing me that he was always watching over the youngest of the grandkids. Sadly, after I found out who he was, he stopped showing up in my dreams. I guess he felt like he didn't need to show up anymore because I knew he was always with me. I felt him with me the night of my wedding. I stepped away to a quiet place with two glasses of champagne that night and had a drink with my grandpa. I'm so happy to have finally met you. I've been close friends with David all throughout middle school and high school. I frequently spent time at his house after school with his younger brother Josh. We normally just hung out and did dumb teenager things. In 2006, David and I graduated high school and spent our last summer together having fun. When fall came around, I went off to college about an hour away, and David went to a different school a few hours away. Later in the semester, David was home and drove up to my dorm to visit on a random weekend. I don't remember exactly what we did, but I do remember hanging out in my car, talking crap, reminiscing, and smoking a bowl in the dorm's parking garage. Soon after the visit, David decided to drop out of college and just focus on working. I never saw him again after that visit. Sadly, in August of 2007, David passed away from a car accident on his way home from work. He fell asleep at the wheel and hit a tree head-on. This was a very hard time for me and all of our mutual friends and family. David was in the ICU for a short while, but he was declared brain-dead. I don't remember much about going to the hospital to say goodbye, but one thing I do remember is crying into his mom's shoulder in the blindingly white-walled ICU waiting room. Some time passed, maybe a few months, and my friend Erica and I decided to go to the store to get a few snacks for our sleepover that we were having that night. As we were talking and laughing, my phone rang. My heart dropped when I saw the name across the screen. The caller ID said David, just like it had all the years prior. 
My friend Erica and I just stared at the screen, frozen. The ringing stopped and I snapped out of it. I thought, well, maybe his family changed his number and someone else has it. Or maybe his brother Josh was playing an insensitive prank. A few moments passed and I saw the voicemail notification displayed across my screen. My heart sank again as my friend urged me to listen to it. I played it on speaker for both of us and there was a deep, garbled, raspy voice that was extremely unintelligible. We played it over and over, not caring that we were still in the store. The only thing that we could make out was at the very end of the voicemail. Through that garbled, raspy voice, we heard a vague, I love you, bitch. We used to call each other derogatory names as terms of endearment, and bitch was a popular one between us. Near tears inside the store, my friend tried to make me feel better by suggesting that I send the recording to Sylvia Brown. If you're not familiar, Sylvia is an author who claimed to have psychic abilities. I never really forgot about the voicemail, but I put it to the back of my brain for a while. I put effort into saving the voicemail for years, but one day I noticed it was just gone. I wish I still had it. The next year, around 2008, I moved to another dorm on campus with a roommate. When you walked through the door, to the left were two bathrooms side by side. Looking straight ahead, there were two bedrooms side by side and to the right was the kitchen. It was like a crappy apartment style dorm. I can't quite explain it, but I always got a weird feeling coming from the bathroom to the left, which was the one I used. Small, insignificant, odd events would occur frequently, but I usually just brushed them off. I was used to these kinds of things because I had grown up in a house next to a graveyard and frequently experienced odd things happening there. I still experience things once in a while to this day. At the time my roommate and I were living in that dorm, I was dating a guy who was not a very good person. Let's call him Bill. Without diving too deep into our relationship, I want to add that Bill became abusive and manipulative shortly after getting together. He wasn't always this way, but he was more often than not. It was just a bad situation overall. One night, Bill was spending the night with me at my dorm. I remember that we had a really good day and we were getting along very well. Going to bed happy, I remember waking up in the middle of the night after Bill had used the bathroom. He told me that after he walked out of the bathroom into the dark common area, there was what looked like someone with a male build standing in the open doorway leading to my bedroom. I'll never know if he was telling me the truth or not or if he was just trying to scare me. I had a sincere feeling that he wasn't lying based on his facial expressions and body language. I can't explain it, but I had a feeling that it was David. Later on in 2011, I decided to go to a different school closer to home and pursue another career. Josh and I still frequently hung out at the same house all three of us used to hang out in after school back in the day. Josh and David grew up in that house together but Josh had been paying rent to his parents to live in the small apartment attached to the house. I was dating a different guy, a way better one this time, and he just so happened to be Josh's best friend. One night, we decided to have a fire and smoke a few bowls. 
Sitting around the fire was me, Josh, and my boyfriend. Josh asked me if I wanted to take a ride on the golf cart. They had about half an acre of land, nothing crazy. We jumped in the cart and my boyfriend stayed by the fire. We took a short ride and stopped in the back corner of the yard to talk and hit the bull a few more times. From this back corner, you could see the entire yard and back of the house. I could see my boyfriend at the fire to the front right side of the yard and the large closed cargo trailer to the left along the fence that bordered the yard. It was very dark outside, but the fire was illuminating the area slightly. I looked down at my phone for a second, still chatting with Josh, and as I looked up, I stopped mid-sentence and locked eyes on something I've never seen before. I saw a solid black, human-shaped figure run from behind the trailer, past the fire, and behind my boyfriend, and quickly disappear into the trees between neighboring houses. Not believing what I just saw, I asked Josh if he saw what I did, and he said no, but stated it was probably David. I wasn't scared, just stunned. I will never forget what happened, and I think about David all the time. I know he still fucks with me once in a while to this day, but... I'm okay with that. My entire life, as far back as I can remember, I've always felt it. I wasn't sure of exactly what until I was a bit older, but I knew it was there. Honestly, I'm still not sure of exactly what it is, but I have a better idea now. This is a story about my first big and memorable encounter. Other small things had happened before this, but nothing noteworthy. Just hearing, seeing, or feeling different energies in different places. But this one was just different. I was probably about six at the time. My mom, brother, and I lived with my nana. My brother and Nana's rooms were upstairs. My mom's room and my room were in the basement. I remember going to sleep, tucked in tightly to my Scooby-Doo comforter, and then I remember being jolted awake. I was freezing cold. I looked all around, but I couldn't move. I couldn't even open my mouth to scream, as hard as I tried. I found out later... Through many other experiences with this feeling, it was sleep paralysis. This time was alarmingly different from any other time I've ever dealt with it, which I didn't know until later in life because this was my first time feeling it. I was in a bright white room. It was the brightest light I had ever seen in my life, still to this day. I couldn't see where I was because it was so bright, but I could feel that it wasn't my bedroom. I was no longer in my soft, warm bed. I was laying on what felt like this cold metal table. Through the bright lights, I could see tall, dark, thin figures. They looked like shadows. Again, I've always been able to feel things like energies, but when I was here, I didn't feel anything. These figures, they didn't feel like positive or negative energies. They were just completely neutral, which I had never felt at that time and I've only felt it a few times after this. I wasn't scared after I felt that they weren't negative beings. 
it felt like they were telling me that they weren't there to hurt me. But they weren't talking. I couldn't hear anything, just this deafening silence. It was like they were talking to me through my thoughts to reassure me. I don't remember closing my eyes or falling back to sleep, but after that feeling of reassurance rushed over me, the next thing I remember was waking up in the morning, back in bed. I felt extremely confused and a bit dizzy and hazy trying to think back on what happened. I remember trying to tell my mom about it, but again, I was only six years old, so she told me it was just a dream, and I had nothing to worry about. And that's what I told myself until I was about 16 years old and finally told somebody else who wasn't my mom. My friend and I were smoking at the time, and I told my story. He jokingly said something along the lines of, Sounds like you got abducted by aliens. That explains why you're so fucked up. And after hearing that, I couldn't believe I had never thought of it before. I've always been interested in outer space, other dimensions, otherworldly and paranormal existences. How had being abducted never crossed my mind? Ever since then... I've loved reading other people's stories about extraterrestrial encounters or abductions on the internet. Most of the stories I've read have similarities to my own. Some scarily so. The bright, almost blinding light. The shadow people, the feeling of neutrality. Waking up disoriented. These themes seem to be extremely common. I recently started talking to my cousin Britt about both of our experiences and she told me that I could be a starseed. Now that's a term that I had heard before but never really looked into. Once I looked into it, I couldn't stop. Starseeds are advanced spiritual beings from other planets and realms who possess spiritual and scientific knowledge that date back hundreds of thousands of years. Now different aspects of my life were all starting to make sense. Years ago, someone told me that I was an empath, and I always assumed that that was true until I learned what a starseed was. There are different kinds of starseeds, but the kind that sticks out the most to me was called the lightworker. Lightworkers are special souls from a variety of planets and realms who have agreed to incarnate to help Earth and other worlds evolve. They always take births that uplevel humanity and raise the consciousness of everyone around them. Their primary purpose is to spread kindness, goodness, and love for every being that they meet. Lightworkers are not beholden to any planet, culture, society, or mission. They work solely for the light. I know to a lot of people this may sound like a stretch and just straight up unbelievable, but to me it explains why my experiences are so similar to that of others. There are a lot of us out there who share this feeling, and honestly I think it's pretty neat. If you've never felt something like this, or of this magnitude, I understand. It can be scary, creepy, and sometimes far-fetched, for us at times, but I don't envy you for not feeling it. I can't wait to learn more about it and figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do with this information. Maybe even meet someone or more people in real life who've gone through this. in a 200-year-old farmhouse for six years before recently moving. I still own the house as it's part of a farm that I farm. It's currently sitting vacant, but I'll likely rent it out soon. Over the course of those years we were there, 
we had a few strange occurrences. Our living room is an addition to the house that has a doorway leading into the kitchen. The stairway is visible through this doorway. I stayed up till like 2 a.m. playing video games in the living room. When I saw through the doorway, my wife was walking down the stairs into the kitchen past the doorway. She was visible for 15 seconds or so as she walked down the stairs and passed me. She was wearing an all-white nightgown, which I had never seen before. I paused my game to see why she was up and to check out the new lingerie, but she wasn't there. I go upstairs to check and she's still asleep and in her regular old jammies. My wife and I were watching a movie in the living room and one of our cats was sleeping in the doorway to the kitchen. We both saw a shadow cat walk down the stairs and then pounce on our sleeping cat, then run past the doorway. Essentially the same exact path my wife took in the first story. The cat wakes up and looks around, confused and growling a little, acting as if she thinks another cat is screwing with her. She gets up and then cautiously walks in the direction the shadow ran. We both saw it. It was completely featureless, but it was a perfect silhouette of a cat, moving just like a cat, but completely black, almost looked like smoke, but way thicker with clear boundaries. We checked the house and no other cat was inside. We accounted for all our other cats outside as well. During the entire six years we lived there, both my wife and I saw a black silhouette of a man nearly every night. Shadow man? Standing over my wife's side of the bed, looking down at her, right in front of a second-story window by the bed. It was inside, but had a clear visible boundary due to the lighting difference inside versus outside the window. We would both only see it from the corner of our eyes, and as soon as we tried focusing on it, it disappeared. Neither of us mentioned it to the other, and it was easily reproducible by looking away and waiting for your eyes to adjust again. We both chalked it up to a weird shadow cast from something. My wife wrote about it in her journal multiple times before I finally asked her about it and found out that she saw it too. She convinced herself it was nothing, but constantly felt watched and refused to be in the room alone with the door shut. I try to chalk this one up to a vivid dream, as I don't have a clear memory of what happened immediately after the event, but everything prior to the event I know occurred. We stayed out super late, and my two-year-old fell asleep in the car. I carried her inside, put her in bed, and shut the door, thinking she never woke up. I get about ten steps away, and halfway down the stairs, I hear my daughter chanting, A told B and B told C, I'll meet you at the top of the coconut tree a popular children's book she likes. I get super excited thinking my kid is reading to herself. She learned how to read? I rush to her door, hearing her reading the book the whole time. I swing open the door and see her fast asleep in bed. The coconut tree book then falls from the ceiling, past my face, about a centimeter from my nose. I feel confused, and then dread, 
And then I vaguely remember going to bed, and then I woke up the next morning. I know I put her in bed. Everything here seems as if it happened to me, and it's crystal clear until that book falls. But I can't fathom how I could have just gone to bed without reacting to the event. Going to bed that night almost seems like a dream, like I wasn't in control and was watching myself go to bed. My daughter has an imaginary friend from 18 months to four and a half years old when we moved, named Sunny. She described Sunny as a dead girl with a wisp like Casper the Friendly Ghost instead of legs. She'd say things to me that we didn't think she'd even understand the concepts of, like out of the blue. Sunny wants me to choke on dinner so that I can stay with her. Sunny wants to push me down the stairs so that we could keep playing. We'd hear her arguing with Sunny about how Sunny needs to stop because she's being mean, or how Sunny needs to share. If asked, she'd say Sunny was her little sister. We finally moved and she stopped talking about Sunny after the first week. When we first moved, she'd ask if Sunny could move with her. We said no. A few days later, she told us Sunny lives in the woods by herself, far away from everyone now. She got lost looking for our new house. We'd also hear footsteps and whispers throughout the house and constantly feel watched inside and outside in the property. At night, the area at the top of the staircase would appear to get darker sometimes, like the reverse of your eyes adjusting at night. You would sometimes stare at that area and details would slowly fade away at the top of the stairs. The house is pre-Civil War, and was used as a field hospital during the war. But this is true of most houses in the area that were around then. The previous owner was a 96-year-old lady who passed away in the house. There have been multiple deaths in that house simply due to its age. No out-of-the-ordinary deaths that I know of. Just old age and bad health. With the exception of possible deaths while a temporary hospital... I'm a 21-year-old woman from India. I've never submitted a story here, nor have I ever talked about this incident to anyone except my family and a few close friends. I'm open for your interpretations on this. English is not my first language, so excuse my grammar. I'm a skeptic, as well as an agnostic. I was born into a Hindu family where my parents, especially my mother, are quite religious. At the time of this incident, I was going through a change in belief systems. I was discovering several religions, including Christianity. As I am not from a Christian community, I didn't have much knowledge about it. One of my best friends had introduced me to archangels, and being a young superstitious enthusiast, 
I loved these stories. He used to pray to an archangel, who he believed helped him during desperate times in life. I wouldn't say I believed completely in all of his stories, but I couldn't ignore them either, as he was also my best friend at the time. Out of curiosity, I started praying to one of these archangels at night. This went on for days and not much happened. And then one day, something did happen that still makes me question it in my skeptical mind. That night, as usual, I had fallen asleep early after praying. I sleep alone in my room without any lights. I prefer a dark room to sleep in. Usually, I never wake up at night, but that night, suddenly, I did. It was like I didn't even want to open my eyes, but something urged me to do so. I opened them for a brief second, and suddenly I realized my entire room was illuminated by this crimson red light. As I was already relatively sleepy, I wasn't sure if I was seeing something that was real or not. I woke up, now sitting upright in my bed, and I could clearly see this red light. I was confused as to where it was coming from. I noticed after a few seconds that it just faded out, letting the darkness take over. At this point, I had woken up completely, and I knew what I saw. It was around four in the morning. I called out to my mother because she stays up late, and she came running into my room. I told her everything. I still couldn't figure out what it all meant. I researched a bit and found out that red means danger. I'm still not sure what to think about that. I told my parents just to be cautious and safe during the next few days. My dad had to travel the next day to a nearby town to meet his client. So, as usual, he left early in the morning. I warned him about the signs and, even though he didn't believe in it, asked him to be cautious. I had school that day, so I went out as usual and I was a bit extra observant that day, just in case something was up. I went back home that afternoon after school and nothing much happened. My mom opened the door while I was researching. She was in tears. She said that my dad had an accident. Luckily for my dad, it wasn't a major accident, but he had some minor fractures and had to be in bed for at least two weeks. My dad said that he was trying to overtake a truck when suddenly another car came in front of his car, and in order to avoid hitting it, he hit a nearby tree. Fast forward two to three years since that incident. I still have mixed feelings about it. I'm a skeptic now. I'm no longer praying to archangels. I do have some opinions about the existence of God, but I'm still not completely convinced, although this experience always gets to me every time I think about it. What was that red light? Was the archangel trying to warn me? Or was it just a sad coincidence? I think about these questions from time to time. I've never taken the time to write down any of my experiences, 
mostly because I used to live in constant fear of drawing attention to this thing, but here goes nothing. I believe this energy has just always been attracted to me, so I'm going to start at the beginning. My mother has had plenty of run-ins with the paranormal growing up and throughout her adult life. It seems like the females in my family are sensitive towards these things the most, my brother being the only exception. Now, I don't know any of my mom's experiences prior to having me, but once I was able to comprehend the activity going on, we both became very open with each other about all of it. When my mom was pregnant with me, she would frequently have the feeling of being watched, only to look behind her and see shadows in the corners of her eye. Nothing major ever happened, just the occasional shadow figure peeking its head out. Once I was born, maybe a few weeks old, my parents woke up to me crying in the middle of the night. Upon entering my room, my mom saw a mass of blackness hovering over my crib. The next day, she decided to get me baptized and after that, nothing happened for a while. As a child, I can only recall one paranormal encounter. At my younger brother's birthday party, I was off playing when I saw a man who I had never met before, yet he felt like family. I remember him playing with me and him making jokes. The next day, I was sitting with my mom when I pointed at a picture of her father and said, that's the man I was playing with yesterday. My mother was stunned, but proceeded to laugh it off so I wouldn't get scared. My mom's father passed away in 1995. I never got the chance to meet him, but I believe that this was his way of saying he's still here. I didn't start to have intense experiences until I was in about the sixth grade. It started as little things, footsteps, small objects going missing, the occasional bangs on a door or wall, nothing that caused me real fear, but that all started to change fast. I had just gotten home from a long road trip and I was making my bed when something screamed, hey, in my ear. I was terrified and refused to sleep in my room for months. My room was in the basement, so I was alone most nights. Following this incident, I would constantly hear someone walking from the top of the staircase and down into the basement, then proceed to shuffle around the carpet, only to stop in front of my door. On a few occasions when this would happen, I could see an outline of feet from under my door. I was beginning to think I was making this all up in my head until one morning. My alarm went off at 5am and I decided to doze off until around 6. About 30 minutes in, I felt someone lay next to me, their body basically spooning mine. The fear was paralyzing. I saw a vision of a decomposing corpse, then proceeded to sit up straight. That's when I can feel the weight lifting off my bed. I look up and see my door is wide open. The darkness was almost consuming. I never slept with my door open, and I have two nightlights on each side of my bed. I tried to ignore this incident just so I could make it through the day. From this day on, whatever was in my house definitely made itself more known, but mostly only to me. 
My younger brother would occasionally get dreams where a shadow figure was chasing him. In each dream, the thing would get closer and closer to him. We also had a game room in the basement right next to my room. We had just gotten a new couch for the game room. I liked it quite a bit and started sleeping on it. The first few nights, nothing happened. But eventually, I started to get the feeling of being watched. I could feel eyes staring into the back of my head and it was a feeling of such hatred. I only slept there two more times before I just couldn't take it anymore. My mother was the principal at this gorgeous Victorian-style school. Throughout the summer, she would go into work to prepare for the next school year, and during one of these work days, I brought my friend along so she could see the school. We were having a blast until we decided to go into the basement. Upon taking the first step down the stairs that led to the basement's door, I was instantly struck with fear. I couldn't even continue down the stairs because it just felt so off. The energy was extremely heavy. We decided to go walk around upstairs. We went into the music room because it had those gorgeous large windows. I proceeded to walk over to the piano and, just as I was about to play something, the keys started playing on their own. My friend and I bolted out of the room and ran straight for the stairs. In all the chaos of running, I looked over to the right and saw a very tall shadow figure watching us run. I didn't go anywhere alone in that school after this. My mother would later on find out from one of the school's custodians that certain members of the staff were performing rituals in the basement when no one was at the school. My mom left to a different school soon after. Upon entering high school, that presence did not calm down, and in fact, in many ways, it got worse. I began to have sleep paralysis at least once a week, but I never opened my eyes. I had gotten so used to this happening that I just learned how to make myself fall back asleep. It would even happen to me if I was sleeping in a car. One night, I was on FaceTime with my then-boyfriend. He was playing video games and I fell asleep. Maybe 10 or 15 minutes into my snooze, I slipped into sleep paralysis. I thought, here we go again. But this time, I opened my eyes. I don't know what possessed me to do so, but when I looked over to my right, I saw the shadow figure, up close. He was extremely tall, with a long neck that peeked over me. He had no eyes, but I could feel him staring. Now... I refer to it as he because I always felt a male presence. I started to scream, wake me up, at my boyfriend, but he acted as though he heard nothing. Eventually, I made myself fall back asleep and he went away. The next morning at school, I was talking to my boyfriend and I asked him if he heard me say anything at all that night. He told me that he heard me mumbling, but he couldn't make out any words, so he just assumed I was dreaming. A few weeks later, I was taking a shower and I set my phone on the counter, laying completely flat. I heard a crash and I found my phone on the floor, but it looked like it had almost been thrown. I picked it up and the whole screen was shattered, but my screen protector didn't even have a scratch on it. I was more annoyed than scared by this event because now I had to replace my screen. 
Unfortunately, this wasn't the last time something would be broken. A while later, I was sweeping my room when a very small vase flung off my shelf and broke into a million pieces. In annoyance, I swept up the mess and told the thing to just leave me alone. Eventually, we all got tired of these occurrences and my mom decided to reach out to our church. A deacon, a priest, and about five people under them showed up to our house one night. They interviewed everyone in the house one at a time, talked to us about being better Catholics, and then proceeded to perform an exorcism on the house. They had us open every door, window, drawer, cabinet, anything that could be open because they didn't want this thing to have a spot to hide. We all sat in a circle and began to chant verses from Psalms while the deacon and the priest went around blessing the house and casting this presence out. After about an hour or so, they believed it to be gone. The group left to reconvene and they would talk to us the next day about what they saw. The deacon said it was definitely a male presence. He saw it but would not explain what this presence looked like. He chased it around the house until, according to him, it was cast out. For a while, everything was quiet and to this day, it still mostly is. Nothing that makes us fear being home. My dog will occasionally bark at the darkness or the mirrors in my room. But in a way, I'm just used to all of it. The heaviness isn't here anymore, and the house does feel lighter, though I do believe there is still something here. It's just not as malevolent. You know, the shadow people thing is just such a popular phenomenon that happens around the world. Is it phenomena or phenomenon? It's phenomena, if it's plural. I know there's a movie called Phenomenon. Mm, I don't know, but yeah, I guess you're right. If it's plural, it sound, phenomena sounds right. I do have to say real quick that yeah. a little fun fact, graffiti, if it's a single piece of graffiti, it's actually known as graffito. No, it's not. You're messing it with is. me. It is. <laughs> I'm not fucking with you at all. Yeah. It's called graffito. Graffito yeah. sounds so pretentious. It does. It does. But I had to just I'll never say it. it. I'll never, ever say that. You'll get beat no, up you for can't. saying that. You get your ass kicked, yeah, especially where we're from. You can't be yeah. fucking around with graffiti. No, it's, yeah, graffiti, singular, plural. Yeah, it is what it is. What did you call my graffiti? <laughs> Would you just call my graffito, bro? <laughs> yeah, no, but the, the shadow person phenomena is so widespread and so popular. I, I feel like I've talked to so many people just since the podcast that are like, oh my God, I experienced it too. I didn't know other people have seen those things before mm -hmm. or even just like the sleep paralysis thing. But there were so many shadow being instances or, you know, shadow person instances in this story. It reminded me of a really weird experience I had with a shadow person when I was younger. Ooh, do tell. Yeah, it was, I, don't know, I was really young. I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the kitchen. It was late at night. I, my parents always let me stay up late. Uh, especially on the weekends. And right out of the corner of my eye, I just saw this this dark figure just walk through the hallway right beside me. It went uh, from the living room and towards the bedrooms. I looked over and I couldn't see anything, but it wasn't like when you see something in your periphery. It was like a real thing. It almost looked like a physical thing, like it was a person in a cloak. Like it was so vivid and so solid Mm -hmm. that it just didn't feel like, you know, a floater in your eye or something or something that you see out of the corner of your eye that you, it's just your imagination. It really looked real. But then I was immediately 
distracted by the anger that grew inside of me when I reached for the peanut butter and found that it was chunky peanut butter. No. My mom got chunky peanut butter. Why do moms do that? They get like they get two percent milk if we're lucky. It's usually skim, <laughs> and then milk. diet soda and chunky <laughs> peanut butter. I don't understand it. I mean, I drink two percent now for obvious reasons, but being over thirty, I think that they do it like because they're trying to do better. Like they're trying. Oh, they, I guess Probably. the chunky peanut butter will be healthier because it's got actual peanuts in it. Uh, maybe it has less sugar. I don't know. Maybe chunky peanut butter is mom's pretension. Maybe that's their graffito is having chunky peanut butter. We should start a, a peanut butter company and call our brand graffito peanut butter. Yeah, it can be like peanut butter, but also have some paint properties of sort where kind of like watercolor or like the Crayola mm-hmm. washable markers. So it's kind of safe. So you can eat it or you can smear it on things and just make some graffito if you choose. This definitely sounds like a product that would be in the 90s. They always try to like incorporate like different colors or uses of your food and your toys and yeah. things in the 90s. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Everything the, was a two-in-one back then. Yeah. You're right. Everything was a two-in-one. And remember the peanut butter and jelly, the, the Smuckers things that had the peanut butter and jelly in the one jar? Oh, yeah. They still have that. It's disgusting. They still have it. Yeah. I'll, I'll never use it. I refuse to try it. It's you, such a novelty. Well, you either have room temperature jelly or jam. Gross. Yeah, gross. Because you gross. keep it out with the peanut butter. Or you've got cold, hard peanut butter because you put it in the fridge. You don't put your peanut butter in the fridge. It gets like... No. It's too hard, too firm. So there's no right way to use that stuff. Plus it all gets mixed up together in there when you scoop it out. I it's don't know how it's doing business. This is, this is a really good outro, you know. We're talking about real spooky important stuff. You know, <laughs> if it's not obvious, we're kind of in a silly mood and not wanting to dive into to the paranormal stuff too much. I think it goes without saying that we're just narrators, so we're just having fun. So thanks for <laughs> dealing with us here. Yeah. You know, I sorry, completely sidetracked and not spooky at all, but that red toolbox behind you, it just stands out so much. It reminded me <laughs> it reminded me of the the toolboxes that you find in Fortnite when you're looking for ammo. Um we we've been playing oh, so much Fortnite together. Yeah. Two, two adults in their 30s just playing Fortnite every day. Yeah, the thing about the toolbox, I went to Home Depot because I needed just like, I think I needed some nails just to hang some artwork or something. Then I realized I don't own a single tool. So I went on a little spree. I got a hammer mm-hmm. and I think a wrench mm-hmm. and a set of screwdrivers and I called it a day. I was good. Then it got me thinking like, I live in the suburbs around like a bunch of retired men over the age of 50 who drive trucks. Yeah. And they're always in the driveway. Mm -hmm. Their garage door is always open. They have a wall full of tools that (laughs) I never see get used. They like, they always have a reason to be outside in their garage, just kind of walking around, looking at their lawn three times a day. It's like, why do you need all these tools? So maybe I had some like tool insecurity. So I got that toolbox. It was at the checkout at Home Depot. And I figured, I whatever, $20 toolbox, I'll get that, I guess. And I guess I'm somewhat more of a man for it, but I'm not, I'm not going to use them. So if you're over the age of 50 and you have a wall full of tools in your garage, what's your secret? Why do you need all those tools? It's bothering me. I don't know why they need all the tools. It is, It does bother. And you know, it may be that they like being the guy that the neighbor comes to to borrow something when they oh, need... Oh, yeah, need a like a networking wrench. thing. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah. I, I mean, always keep a pen on me. Maybe that's why. Like, I like being the guy with a pen. Maybe they like being the guy with like the socket wrench set with like 800 different fixtures. Are they fixtures? What are the bits? No, those are drills. See, yeah, I'm not a tool person. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it's a... Uh... I don't think that they're tool people either, because you're right, I don't see them doing anything with their tools, but they're just like milling around in the garage and they go look at the the yard. I think they're just trying to get away from their wives. That's all it is. They just want to get out of the house, away from the kids, away from the wife. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're flexing in a weird way. And just stare at their tools, and I guess they think it boosts their testosterone or something. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. Who knows? Man, what a spooky, dooky outro, man. Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time falling asleep tonight. That was a little bit heavy for me. You want to play some Fortnite? (laughs) Yeah, let's play some Fortnite. I'm down, man. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to this uh, lighthearted outro here on Odd Trails. And thanks to Shelby Scott for appearing on the show. Make sure you check out her podcast, Scare You to Sleep, wherever you get your podcasts or at scareyoutosleep.com. You'll also be able to catch her live along with us in Sapphire Sandalo at the Midsummer Scream Horror Convention at the Long Beach Convention Center on July 30th. This week you have heard Having a Drink with a Dead Man by Letty, David's Shadow by Rachel, My Abduction Story by Emo Drake Fan, 200-Year-Old Haunted Farmhouse by C10C001, The Red Light by Tanu, And finally, My Stories by Ashley. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. As always, if you want to hear your story on the show, send it to stories at oddtrails.com and check out our Patreon for all of the ad-free versions of these episodes at a higher bitrate for your listening pleasure, along with some bonus content over at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails. We'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Peace out.